No matter how well the first date goes, I never get my hopes up. It all goes downhill after she sees my micro penis. What the hell is going on here? Nothing, baby penis. <laughs> Uh, yes, I did say small penis many times because that is, in fact, something that turns men on that have a small penis. A cowboy hat means I'm ashamed of my small penis. Why is it so small? Hi, huh, it's so freaking small. Bitch, get out. Welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Durgan. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Much like O.J. Simpson, Matt's recently completed seven years living under a no-masturbation-allowable policy. <laughs> the Matt's were, rules were put in place by his bulldom gay sex partner to keep Matt fresh. That's true. Isn't that the weirdest thing you've heard of that uh, O.J. apparently is in trouble in, in the prison about it because they have a no-masturbation policy in prison? Yeah, that seems inhumane and yes. cruel and unusual punishment. And also sort of counterproductive to having a peaceful prison population. Yeah. I mean, you got to let them, what? You got to let them lift weights, watch cable TV, and masturbate, right? And that will keep basically 90% of your violent crimes from happening. Yeah, you don't want sexually frustrated, murderous people. <laughs> no. And then the, the, uh, the, the warden clarified that they're just not allowed to masturbate in their prison cell. Which led me to wonder where they are allowed. <laughs> where are they allowed to masturbate? Well, see, I feel like there's a like. A, is there a, is like smoking? Is a smoking area like a masturbation area? Like the circle jerk? Right. You don't want to masturbate in the shower when you're showering. No, that seems like a place men. to get. Ra- that seems like a place to get raped. I, I would think you'd want to encourage, like, in, almost enforce a masturbation policy. Well, see, it, it could have gone in a couple different ways. Like, if he was just minding his own business, he could have been making aggressive eye contact with the female corrections officer uh, while yeah. masturbating. By the way, he's like 70 years old now. This is, I, I mean, was pretty impressed that he was masturbating. Yeah, they also busted him for having cookies in his cell. So you don't want to have cookies or masturbate? What kind of hell is this prison? <laughs> I thought you were allowed to do that shit in prison. I almost, I almost like knocked off at a liquor store just so I could get away from my kids to masturbate in peace. <laughs> Like two years, two years of masturbating alone sounds kind of nice. There were a lot of problems with that article. Like they asked OJ where he got the cookie, and he yeah. said, "I have a guy, yeah, cookie guy, a cookie guy." Yes. Well, here's the weird thing: is that OJ killed two people, beheaded two people, essentially, and he got off on that. And so they trumped up some armed robbery of his own merchandise story to put him in jail for no reason, really. <laughs> and I, I don't feel bad for the guy because he did kill his his ex wife and her boyfriend. But by the same token, he is in jail for nine years, not a crime he really didn't commit. You got to at least let the guy tug it, tug one, tug one out every now and then. Yeah, I mean the justice system is far from perfect, but yes. you can't just do like a, a mulligan now. After now, also by the way, if he wanted to become a woman, that would be paid for and, and, and approved by the prison. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but you can't touch his dick, so that's <laughs> you cut it off. You just can't touch it. This week's show is sponsored by Saudi Arabia. All right, we're getting some foreign money in here. The most back-ass female subjugating rape culture country in the world that feminists won't touch because they're Muslim. Saudi Arabia, you bring out the hypocrisy in movements. Did you uh, see this miniskirt girl who got arrested in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Which is like, and no, it's like the weirdest thing. First of all, I don't know, if you're going to break the burqa rule, like why go full miniskirt and crop top and like heels? Yeah. <laughs> like, why not start out with like conservative dress or something? You also like, get stoned just for wearing jeans, I believe. Yeah. They, I mean, they, it's, it seems to me like you're, you're risking your own life and you could just wear like a shorter burqa, maybe test out the, like the, the ankle link burqa instead of the foot link burqa. Yeah. See how that goes before you go miniskirt like in the, in the mosque or you whatever. You wear like a slutty like lace burqa. Yes. 
The weird thing is they uh, they actually so everyone everyone got online and said we got to arrest this woman and put her in prison, and they did they did find her and arrest her, but they let her off. And I think the only reason they let her go was because the entire world now is watching because it was a hot chick in Saudi Arabia in a miniskirt. So, oh, they would have. I think they would have killed her if people weren't paying attention. It's illegal to not like cover your ankles and Saudi. You Arabia. have to wear floor length. Uh, they call them an abaya, I believe. Uh, it's not a, exactly a burqa, but it's a dress that goes to your feet, down to your, your foot length, and you have to wear cover your hair and face. I feel like America is uh, sort of arbitrary in who we choose as allies. Yes, because that sounds like something that would justify like blowing up the entire country. Well, I don't. I don't. You know, I get like the re- real politic of the fact that you have to be friends with like horrible countries and dictators. I get that part for your for your overall interest, you know. Yeah. We're in Hollywood. We all have shitty friends. We're friends with just because of, for, for business reasons. I get that part. But what I don't get is why the feminists, you know, the progressive feminists will not decry, like, the Muslim religion, the Sharia law, which is clearly, like, husbands get to beat wives. The women can't drive. They're not allowed to vote. They can't wear miniskirts, obviously. Otherwise, you get a tire wrap. be on to something on that women <laughs> yeah. not driving thing, though. Oh yeah, no, you can imagine that like, they probably have a zero percent accident rate in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, all that's all their, it's all their all their imported Filipino drivers and stuff like that. It's a it's a horror. Those countries are so fucking horrible. But women uh, feminists will not complain about uh, Muslim countries because it's not politically correct to complain about Muslim anything, and therefore they just kind of give like eight hundred million people in the world a pass who are actually the worst male patriarchy offenders in the entire world. So it's kind yeah. of like we're going to give a pass to the worst offenders, and then we're going to go after the guy who makes a bad joke at the Imagine office. Imagine if there was, like, a university that didn't allow women to wear pants. It, it would be considered, like, an American place. There's a couple uh, Christian schools that do that. But, oh, yeah. yeah, but they're private. I mean, you elect to go there. They're private Christian uni- colleges and stuff. Hmm. I don't care what public school. I don't care what private schools do. There's a lot of weird-ass private schools. You do, do what you want there. Yeah, post schools you gotta let you gotta let the hot chicks get out in their in their short skirts and t- tank tops. The, the Hasidic uh, Jews are into some really weird shit too. Like, oh, they totally are. They can't touch uh, women in public. Uh, they can't touch them in private either. Oh yeah, yeah. How, how does no, that work? Uh, you can't. Uh, well, that's why they have sex through the sheet because you're not allowed to touch. You're not actually, and I think it's the same in the Muslim uh, fundamentalist Muslim thing. You're not men are not allowed to touch women, and the only time you're allowed to make contact is for the purpose of procreation. So why would you voluntarily associate with this group? Uh, I don't know. I mean, exactly why. It's a, it's a relatively small group. If they were in the country, I'd be a little more nervous. They just run the diamond business, so I think, you think you're okay. <laughs> you know, when it comes time to buy your lady a rock, you let me know. I'll hook you up with a nice little <laughs> They do. They are like the Jewish masons of the world. They have a lot of, like, these underground, like, connections from, like, South Africa to Israel to to Amsterdam to the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. So underneath those black hats and those crazy, like, uh, fucking through a sheet rules... There's a massive business empire going on. Well, I was listening to uh, This American Life. You know that radio program? Mm-hmm. And there's these Hasidic Jews in uh, upstate New York, and they took over the school district and uh, started committing, like, pretty pretty serious financial fraud <laughs> yes. by, like, selling property at, like, discount rates. And uh, everyone's like, hey, you guys are committing crimes. And they're like, that's anti-Semitic. Yes, I like that. <laughs> the race car, it's like a race car for the Hasidim. Uh, they seem innocent. They remind me a lot of that remember that uh, mafia guy who would like pretend he was crazy and wore his bathrobe all the time in New York? This is mm. like in the 80s and 90s. He was like the head of the Gotti crime family, I think, or one of the crime families. Huh. But he would always like, he, he lived in this shitty little house and he came out like in his robe all the time and ranted and picked up his paper. For like 30 years, they found out later on he was just faking the whole thing. He was running the huge, he was running the huge crime empire. 
That's what the Hasidim are. Right, right. They're like they look like they look like they're just crazy, sort of out of uh, you know out of touch nineteenth century people. But they have like a five hundred billion dollar diamond and jewel empire going on beneath <laughs> it. Uh, if you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or on Facebook also Last Man Podcast. Before we get started, Matt, I want to tell you I had my first uh, Donald Trump nightmare last night. You know, I've been laughing at people with a psychological condition where they're having nightmares about Trump. Mm-hmm. I had my very first Trump nightmare last night. Oh. It was just the weirdest thing. I never, uh, what, eight months now or whatever it's been, and no Trump nightmares. And I dreamed that he was, I, I was hanging with him, I was hanging with Donald for some reason, and I told him someone in a high rise was uh, talking shit about him, and he suggested blowing up the high rise. Oh, fuck. And I was like, isn't that a bit extreme? I love sh- seeing shit blow up, but isn't that a bit extreme? Uh, because my friend lived in like a little apartment next door to the high rise, and I thought it would get it would get crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did not agree with me; did not think it was extreme at all. And then he, when I told my friend to move out before the explosion, Trump got really angry at me and called me a, 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 a tattletale. So he's infiltrating your psyche. Yes, I I've been making fun of people for so long for their Trump dreams. So I have my first Trump dream. If they continue, I'm going to join one of those groups, the swing progressive groups or something in LA for protest. Maybe this whole thing is a dream. Uh, it's a bad. I don't even hate Trump that much, but every now and then, like about once a week, I wake up and think, I can't believe Trump is president. It's still, it's still such a weird. And it's not because I dislike the guy so much. I don't like him, but I don't dislike him like vehemently like people do. It's just so weird that he's president. Well, isn't it interesting that we've created the society where if you have like a bicycle, you can't leave it outside for more than like five minutes. Or some someone will just steal it, and like the fact that all the presidents, not even being partisan. Everyone knows that they're all liars, uh, and it's just normal. Yeah, like, I think dishonesty. It's normal for a politician to be a liar. And I don't. I mean, I think I was. I was thinking about this today because uh, Kylie Jenner got her wax figure at Madame Tussauds today. Oh. And they used to do like Clark Gable and John Wayne and what presidents or something like that. And now they're obviously playing to like the reality show crowd by putting up a nineteen-year-old like horish. <laughs> what kind of dipshit pays money to go look at? Well, that's the thing. Statues. That's the culture. We, that's the world we live in now. Is that only her fans would be those dipshits who would still go to pay to see the wax museum? Who goes to the wax museum to see John Wayne in the wax museum anymore? Just mouth breathing fucking <laughs> yes. idiots. So now they have a line outside the door waiting for people to go see Kylie Jenner's wax figure. So this is where our call, this is where we're at now in the world, which is reality television. The lowest common denominator entertainment has taken over. So the statues are going to be of dumber and dumber people. They're going to be of people on social media with huge followings. Okay, that's what it's going to be. Uh, speaking of uh, dumb people who may not be that dumb, uh, the R. Kelly sex cult came out. News, by the way, is a breaking BuzzFeed story. I thought BuzzFeed was like 15, where are they now, uh, kid, kid actors in the 80s. You won't believe what someone Dana Plato looks like today. From this fact. I, think, I think BuzzFeed fancies themselves a legitimate news. Well, they did. They, I, I have to look it up. They spent like $100 million expanding their news organization. Um, but you never hear like a BuzzFeed break. They had a the dossier. They, they released that dossier on Trump. I think it was last uh, the Russian thing that said he was having like sex with like gay hookers in Moscow. That came from BuzzFeed. But he's peeing on him? Yeah, there was peeing on him. Yeah, that whole thing was released. It was around, but nobody would pr- publish it, but BuzzFeed published it finally. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I remember them from. And then their listicle, all their endless number of listicles. But they came out of the story. They actually got people on the record to use almost their real names. They used acronyms, which is close. I'll never understand the point of that. No. If you're going to give someone a fake name, how about you just don't use the name? I, yes. It's really stupid. Then Jay said this and C said that. It doesn't make any sense. But the R. Kelly sex well, cult. What if the guy, what if your name is the name that they make up? Well, no, they just use acronyms. So they use first letter. They just use first letters of their names. 
which made it sound like a spy, like a real, really serious spy story or something. But it was just parents talking about their kids who are sleeping with R. Kelly. So here, here so my, we're going to argue about this forever, I think. But R. Kelly has a sex cult. If you're going to have a cult, is there a cult that's not a sex cult, by the way? Aren't they all sex cults? The point of a cult is to fuck usually underage chicks. Yes. I mean, almost always. Whether it's uh, Warren Jeffs in Utah, the little Muslim cults, or I mean, uh, Mormon cults. Whatever it is, it always ends up being a guy in charge with a beard who gets to have sex with lots of underage girls. That's pretty much, yeah, that's why we have cults. Which is a lot like the R. Kelly sex cult, except now he's waiting until the girls turn 18. So BuzzFeed broke the story that there are six women in Atlanta and Chicago living in condo that went to go see R. Kelly concerts, hooked up with R. Kelly backstage in some manner, and then left their college, college life or their home life to live with R. Kelly in one of his condos and be under his control. He swapped out their cell phones. He told them what, he tells them what to wear, who they're allowed to contact, and according to BuzzFeed, and they had three employees who used to work with R. Kelly. I'll say, so mm-hmm. I don't know how legitimate they are if he fired them, but they are three. They named those people, uh, and they claimed that he was actually forcing the women to make sex tapes for his pleasure. Okay, uh, non commercial, <laughs> not commercial. Uh, and the parents came out. They like they want to know. They want to. They talk. Haven't talked to their daughters like in a year. And they say it's, it's cult, and the girl's been brainwashed. And R. Kelly, of course, vehemently de- vehemently denied everything. His attorney vehemently denied everything, but said if even if he was doing it, they're all over eighteen. And so there's nothing, there's nothing, plan B. There's nothing you can. There's nothing you can do about. It. Now let me ask you: Does this R. Kelly sex cult sound like anything different than what rich celebrities are doing all over Hollywood and around around the country and around the world? Is this different than George Clooney or? Michael Jordan or any NBA basketball player with women in different cities? I mean, I get the cult word is like a, a sexy buzzword, but really, he's just housing these women and fucking them. It's, uh, uh, he may not be fucking them. He may be having... Well, they're apparently having to fuck other people on, set, on tape. Well, so... But, that's, but, that's all, but it's all consensual as far as we know. The, the sort of the most common indicator of a cult outside of the underage girl part is... Uh, you know, that you res- uh, restrict uh, communication to family members and friends. Which seems to be the case. He's taken away their, he's, he's made them change their cell phone numbers and provide them cell phones he can monitor. But then the one girl, I, I'm not real familiar with this story, but the one girl went on, uh, uh, released some kind of video saying, I'm not in a cult. Yes, her captive. And so I guess you could argue, well, she's brainwashed. But, like, really... You kind of just got to go with the person that's saying they're not in the cult. But isn't that the first rule of cults is when the girl comes out and says she's okay and nothing's wrong? Yeah. And to leave me, al- leave me alone. Doesn't every cult do that? There's no real way to, to get to the bottom of it, which is why you just don't join a cult. Is that what every Scient- Scientologist video, defense video is? It's like some guy going, I love Scientology. It's the best thing ever. And this is the, please, parents, leave me alone or whatever. Yeah, it's the... It's the, it's the classic cult defense. It's the terrorist... Yes. video of the guy saying, I'm really happy to be here yes. when he's in the cave. Except maybe the girls are happy to be there because these are girls mostly, they seem to be girls from the South. These are all girls, they seem to be uh, uh, largely black women from the South who are young and want to be singers. And R. Kelly offered to help them with their careers in some manner. And they're getting probably, I would imagine, pretty sweet condos and a sweet you know, room and board existence. So in terms of like the quid pro quo... They're getting something out of it, obviously. He's not, he's not torturing them. They're not being starved to death. They're not being like, yeah, physically abused. I, I think the whole thing's kind of overrated. I do, too, except R. Kelly's sex cult sounds amazing. because of, Not because of... You could call it like the George Clooney sex cult. He had six women in different cities. But it would sound like he comes in a tie and a coat and serves champagne to them or shit like that. 
With R. Kelly, you know there's some weird sex shit going on. There's yeah. some fetish. There's definitely well, some this, fetish. I wonder if this is kind of like the like we were talking about with OJ, the backlash, because uh, everyone knows that R. Kelly, uh, whatever you want to call it, rape or assaulted a 14-year-old uh, girl and was somehow able to get away with this through, I believe, just some corruption at the, the Chicago City. It was so weird. Yeah, the story about how it was a 14 and 15 year old girl, and he let, he was picking up young girls in the neighborhood were being brought to him. And he was buying them jewelry and spending alone time with them. And he might have peed on one. Or, might have peed on one or two. He peed in one, on one of their mouths. Yes. And I don't know how the video got out, but then uh, you know, prosecutors were like, "Hey, that's illegal," and uh, we have a video of it. So at that point, I don't quite understand how you're not in jail. So you're saying this is like this is a media this is a media and public's way of getting back, and it was just making his life miserable from yeah, now on. But to draw attention to the fact that he's a, a, basically a pedophile. I mean, now he's what 50 years old, so he's moving up to 18 year old. Chick. Well, I think he got smart. So actually, one girl he waited till she was 18 to join the cult. So he's got he's obviously got an attorney working for the cult. Yeah, he's got a lot smarter. And this is a case like the parent. So one of the parents went to the condo apparently where his daughter was living, and she wouldn't come down. And so he, he got the police to come, and the police said, yeah, that, she's like 19. We can't do anything about that. She doesn't want to come see you anymore. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it's very frightening for parents to know that your daughter's fucking R. Kelly and living in one of his sex cult condos, and just everything you know about R. Kelly tells you there's some really bizarre shit going on. But ultimately, don't you have to let young women just make stupid, de- stupid decisions and, live, and kind of live with it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know all the rules. Like, I know you can... You can make someone sign like a non-disclosure agreement, yes. but you can't like then murder them. No, you can't commit a crime, but you can make you can make it so they can never talk about this, your sexual encounters. Or you not s- if you're like raping them. No, not if you're not like Cosby couldn't have done that. Right. Not if, well, actually, he did. Cosby did just matter of fact <laughs> after the fact. But yeah, no, you can't you can't say I'm going to commit a crime. You sign away your rights for a crime, but you can say like you can't tell anybody about the sex that we're having or any of this weird cult shit or the sex tapes we're making. You ever hear those stories where it's like some guy puts an ad on Craigslist and he's like, I want to chop off another guy's dick. And then some guy responds to the ad. No. And then they go through with it. No, I have. That sounds like somebody takes place. Is that on German Craigslist? Oh, yeah. Craigslist Germany. Germany. The mutilation stories always lead back to Germany for some reason. They're just never going to go over the Holocaust past. (laughs) Those people have a lot of guilt. Uh, my, my, sense, my sense of the R. Kelly sex cult is that I want to keep calling it a sex cult because it sounds amazing. But that really what he's doing is no different than most NBA basketball players who have like five or six girls in different cities to make their life a lot easier. Yeah. They pay for their shit. Except in this case, it's not a straight whore. It's not a straight prostitute arra- prostitution arrangement because I think these girls believe that he's going to do something for their careers or some sort of good will come out of this outside of the money. Whereas with an NBA basketball player, it's just the, it's just the money. So it's not technically a cult, but we'll just call it that. Sex cult. R. Kelly sex cult. R. Kelly sex cult. Uh, All right, Matt, let me ask you. I know you are a huge Disney fan. You are a Disney season pass, annual pass holder. You love. Here's what I don't understand about people that are Disney annual pass holders. Uh, Well, first of all, you're not allowed to to say what they are, which is semi-psychotic. Somehow, if you're like, if you're an annual pass holder to like Hooters, People would mock you endlessly. Right. If you went to Hooters like 100 times a year, people would mock you endlessly. But if you go to Disneyland like 100 times a year, you're seen as kitschy and kind of fun and like, you know. Uh, yeah, like the annoying adult couple that you yes. see there without any kids. Yes. They got, people go, they pay, and these annual pass are, what, several thousand dollars. So they're going like 30, 40, 50 times a year. And I don't, I've been to Disneyland probably five times. I don't, 
ever want to go back? It's atrocious. I, I have to, you know, I get roped into going with my friend's children occasionally and shit, and it's like, you can't even go on a ride, really. No. There's several hour wait. Oh, the uh, the annual pass holders don't go on rides necessarily. They do other things, which I'm still not sure what that is, because at the end of the day, Disneyland and the, and the California Adventure, they're not really large parks, and they don't actually change ever. I mean, they change every 30 years. Yeah. So if you go 30 or 40 times, you're essentially going to the... It's like seeing the same movie 30 or 40 times. The park hasn't changed. You're going back, and what are you doing? You're like, let's go down this wooden bridge again. Like, well, let's go down. Let's go to this. What are you do? Like, what I are you doing? Like, I feel like they're faking it. They don't even enjoy it. It's just like they couldn't find anything else to be addicted to. Just they're the people that have to be different. Yeah, I would say as a general rule, ninety ninety eight percent obesity rate too. Just about ninety eight percent. Running, running very large, and and their their signature food item is clam chowder. Like, oh yeah, that's what I want when it's fucking hundred and twenty eight degrees out. Some some New England clam chowder. So uh, Disney, as you know, is remaking every every uh, studio now is looking to remake their existing properties that have brand brand equity already and also don't cost them money to purchase. So Universal, you should know, is remaking the Mummy and uh, Frankenstein and the Werewolf. Oh. Yes, The Mummy came out actually a few months ago and tanked. That was the Tom Cruise version. Uh, Disney is redoing all their animated features as live action since uh, Beauty and the Beast made so much money with Emma Watson. So Aladdin's coming out. Did you see Aladdin the cartoon originally? So they. Uh, I saw it. Of course, I've seen was, parts of it. I've never watched it all the way through. I don't know what it's about. It was too scary. Too scary for you. There's a genie. Yes. No, I don't get the point of any of that. Like the, the message is always lost on me. Well, they are for children. Oh, you would have been a kid when it came out. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't see it. No, okay, that's okay. Your parents mostly just let you watch porn. <laughs> explains a lot. Uh, so here's the point. So Disney, Disney, ABC, Disney is perhaps the most politically correct of all the major media companies at this point. It may have to do with the 90, 90 plus percent gay executive, gay executive ranks, <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, they're so desperate with Aladdin to it, most of the Disney stories were born out of racist. Tales, right? It's a very common theme among Disney, famous Disney stories and movie stories that they're originally based like on foreign, like Mulan or other tales, uh, you know, black slavery or like foreign yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of rapey shit. Yeah, when Walt was coming up with ideas, he's like, hey, how can we make fun of the black man or the Chinaman? <laughs> it was sort of like his, his foundation for his stories. And they all became multi-billion dollar properties, but they're still underlying, they're still racist, underlying racist. So Aladdin is about an, either an Arabian or Indian tale of a of a young brown boy who's like a you know a serf and he's finds a genie and becomes the king and marries a princess. So basically, just a brown version of the old, the old <laughs> Princess in the Castle story. So they're remaking it with Guy Ritchie, live action version, and they had to go out and be very politically correct about the casting because like Scarlett Johansson took a lot of shit for Ghost in the Shelves, a Japanese anime thing. Uh, when they, you know, have American white people playing Asian characters or Arabic characters, people are getting upset now. For no apparent reason. These are movies, by the way. I mean, they're made for the world, but it's it's a U.S. based film. Right. So you think they use U.S. based stars? So they went out and found an Egyptian guy. They, they struggle to like find the exact right cultural matrix, cultural, racial, ethnic matrix for casting, and and of course got like a twenty two year old like male, Egyptian model, but he turned out to be a Coptic Christian. They didn't know. Which has got people really upset because he's not, he's not Muslim. So they didn't get their Muslim card. They got a British actress to play the part. And immediately, like, she's Caucasian looking. But they immediately put out her entire genealogy history and how she's half Indian, uh, uh, East Indian. So just to say that she's cool. She's cool. She's half, yeah, half East Indian. And then for the genie, they just got Will Smith. 
because they had to get a, a big American star. And so they got the gay black Scientologist to, to, play the gay, to play the genie because figuring, like, we got to make money off this fucking thing, but we don't want a white guy who people can make, you know, people can mock for the cultural appropriation. Yeah, I don't understand this concept of the actor. I mean, the point of acting is you're pretending to be someone else, right? So why does the actor have to be... I mean, it used to do some weird shit with, like, I think John Wayne would play, like, an Indian, and he was really bad at it, and just obviously not an Indian, but... Well, I mean, there was at one point when there was only white actors in Hollywood, so they played everybody, <laughs> right? So they played black people, they played uh, Charlie Chan was a white guy, they played, if it was a black guy, they kind of gave him, a, like, a black look or whatever. There just weren't any minority. there weren't any minorities in Hollywood. Uh, they weren't allowed to act. They actually used uh, uh, Mexicans to play all the Indians in the old cowboy and Indian movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they couldn't, they they want to hire Indians, so they hired Mexicans to play the Indians. <laughs> didn't make any didn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, but now they're going the pendulum swung the other way, where they're just trying to cast based on hitting the right notes, so that there won't be outrage on social media and, and, and media media outlets about how they're being culturally appropriated, how it's a story, an Arabian story about a Muslim boy, and how they're using white American actors. Doesn't this seem somewhat counterproductive to the goal goal of diversity? To go so far as to the fact that you're going to say, like, this is more important than the talent. We're actually just going to find these boxes to check off, and we're going to make the movie based on this. And then, yeah. by the way, everybody on Twitter and everyone on social media, everyone in the Huffington Post and all the regular places chastised them for not doing it right. It wasn't Muslim enough. It wasn't Arabic enough. Then someone said it's not even an Arabic tale. It's an Indian tale, and no one knows the origin story of this, and they got the wrong stuff. They should get people from Qatar some shit like that. You can't please these people anyhow. Isn't it just a, a rabbit hole? Yeah, well, the same people complaining are, are the reason that Disney sort of has to do the charade of... So it's like you're just giving them more material to complain about. And well, because once you, op- once you open a... Once you say we're trying to be very sensitive in our casting, we're trying to be very diverse in our casting, that's like a signal to, like, five million trolls online to, like, judge, judge the, the nature of their casting. Well, yeah. Versus a, versus a here, here's a talented actor, fuck you. Yeah, why don't we just try and do what's best for the product? You know, if if a certain actor, if Tom Cruise can pull off being a, a sort of Arabian Muslim guy, then that's fine. If he if he can't, then he doesn't belong in the movie. Like they'll even have this thing of like a, a straight actor playing a gay role, and they're like they should have cast a gay actor. It's like, well, they're actors. They're actors. You don't have to, you know, yeah. be sucking a, a guy off behind them. Tom Hanks was perfectly fine in Philadelphia. And as far as I know, he's having sex with only women. Occasionally, maybe a guy. <laughs> but he was an AIDS. He played a gay man with AIDS. And he seemed to do a very good job at it. And I think won some kind of Academy Award or something. So Yeah, the whole argument is, the premise is silly. Uh, not to mention, this is uh, not really consequential for anyone's life. No, and also it's, an, it's a fictional account. It's a fictional story. So it's allegorical by nature. It's not a biopic, right? Right. This is not like... I could see if you did, like, the Jesse Owens story and you had a white guy playing Jesse Owens. I could see people being upset about that. Right. Because why would you not cast a black actor to do that? That would just seem to be... Well, they had... By the way, they had that... Remember that British show, that movie last year? that I think they pulled it eventually where they had a, uh, a Fines, uh, Joseph Fines was going to play Michael Jackson. Yeah. The white guy played Michael Jackson. Everybody got upset. There was a whole skin color skin color argument. And they eventually had to pull that. They, were, they never broadcast that movie, which, by the way, I don't think they intended to do in the first place. They just wanted a lot of publicity around it. <laughs> I mean, if it's easy to do, why not have a black actor? But to find, for Disney to find Muslim Arabic actors to front a movie that's going to cost $250 million to make, 
would be a massively bad financial decision on their on their part. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. It's just like costing yourself $100 million for no apparent reason. I just wanted to like ask people on Twitter, like, you have an allotted amount of things that you have time to devote your yes. energy to, right? And why would this be in your top thousand things? I think your premise is wrong. I think the people have a ton of free time. And I think that people complain about this are the same people complain about everything. <laughs> I don't think there's like individual complainers for each each little <laughs> each little item. I think it's the same person. Yeah. And they complain about ten different things a day and they have, I think they have tons of time at. They're largely they're largely in the unemployed unemployed or semi employed economy. Right, right. Uh, I, I to me I'm not gonna see the movie, a lot of movie anyhow. After Emma Watson talked about the femi- feminization of Beauty and the Beast role and how she was gonna be an eighteenth century girl who was learned and book read and was an inventor and was very pro female feminist positive in like 1720 France and you know I mean apparently it didn't affect the movie but that was so disturbing to me that she that they would allow her to do that publicity campaign when it clearly had nothing to do with her story. I just assumed she was going rogue. Or- no, they put they had her they had her push that shit. So now they're gonna have the Egyptian guy out front and even though he's Christian they'll probably make him do Muslim prayers. <laughs> it's just that's how perverse this entire thing is. I met uh, you and I brought to go see Disney live action, live action Aladdin. I'm not sure who the movie's for, but knowing Guy Ritchie, it'll take three extra years to make anyhow. <laughs> and by the way, he probably just wants white guys in the, in the movie anyhow. Matt, let me ask you, Ariel Winter, since you now know her for five minutes from her Instagram account, she's a uh, chubby girl who I got yelled at one time for calling chubby. Yes, I did. Uh, even though she is chubby, Yelled which by who? someone on, someone wrote me a nasty letter because I referred to her as the chubby star of Modern Family or whatever. She's on the cusp. She's not like. Well, what you saw today is after she's been on lost weight for she's been a, she's been on TV since she was thirteen or fourteen, oh. and she's always been heavy. She's been a heavy girl, which is fine, but she wears very revealing clothing, and you can see like her muffin top, you know, spreading over. So, what are you going to call her? The, the, the svelte. <laughs> go, you go, girl. Body positive, whatever. I mean, I just, you know, I refer to her as a chubby girl from Modern Family. Then one of those, oh, her. Yeah, I know who she is. Right. Chubby is not a, but in terms of put down words for fat, chubby is like the nicest one. Right. Right. That girl's a little chubby. That's not bad, right? Yeah, no. It's so she wants people. Probably like, bad if you're chubby. Well, but if you're chubby, you get to eat. Then people only call you chubby versus fat. If you're an attractive girl with big breasts, it kind of helps. She had the breast reduction surgery, by the way, when she was 17, because her breasts became so big. From being uh, having large breasts and also being chubby, that she had to reduce. She reduced herself to a double D. Oh wow! So she was enormous for a while. How does that work? Also, you weren't a lot. You weren't allowed to talk about the fact that maybe she was cast because she was a fourteen year old with enormous breasts. <laughs> <laughs> like no one, no one was allowed. Like another uh, Disney thing. No, no one was allowed to talk about that. How I wonder how she got cast and she had like just at fourteen had like you know Jenny McCarthy sized jugs. <laughs> and, yet, and yet you weren't. You were supposed to pretend like that wasn't part of the casting decision like it was just like her versus like a hundred flat-chested girls and somehow she got she got picked out and that was just like complete non-sequitur non-unrelated uh there's so many pc rules these days so here's the thing so for all like the last two years since she became 18 especially uh she's been putting out all these very sexy selfies revealing tops tiny shorts that she's a little too large for she reminds me a little bit of those uh, uh, uh the girls that you hit on at the bar <laughs> little cheek little cheek coming out little waist coming out of the, coming out of the outfit Okay. But you've had a couple drinks and you believe you want to marry this woman. Uh, so she's been complaining. People like, you know, here's how they get. They get like 5,000 likes. They get like three trolls making comments about being chubbed too fat for that outfit. Or some woman scolding her for showing too much skin and being kind of slutty. Word sluts. I thought the word slut, by the way, was a good term nowadays. Thanks to Amber Rose. 
So they always focus. They, they, they call out the three or four bad tweets out of the 5,000 and talk about body shaming. Yeah. It used to bother me. Like, you know, we've talked about the show sometimes, the fake body shaming shit online. But then I had an epiphany the other night before my Trump dream. My epiphany was, yeah, she's kind of right, actually. Like, why the fuck would you go to an Instagram account where you have to, you have to travel, you have to type it in and travel there to see a girl who's kind of hot with big breasts but is chubby only to make fun of her? Like, what kind of person goes to, like, you know, it's like going to, like, you know where the really crappy strip shows are? Like oh, yeah. Jumbos, let's say, as an example. Jumbos. Jumbos clown, clown room. room. Yes. You kind of know when you go into the no-cover, like, $2 drink strip club, you're going to get, you know, the raunchy girls. It's like going to one of those clubs and bitching about how the girls aren't hot. Yeah. It's just, you don't go to, like, some girls who's known as being the chubby chick at her Instagram account, and then you complain about how she's chubby. I mean, my, this question from Ellis is, like, doesn't she have a point about Twitter trolls? It's masturbate or get the fuck out. Isn't that the rule that we should all live by? Yeah, well, I would just say maybe when people perceive someone as being annoying, it's just fun to fuck with them and bother them. Uh, That's how you. This is your perception. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how how annoying she is, but like. But you wouldn't probably annoy. You would go after that chick from Minnesota who ate all the chickens. What's her What's her name? The fat the fat girl who was like insisting she wasn't fat. You got in a fight with. Well, she's eating pie and chickens or whatever. I keep forgetting her name. The uh, Midwestern uh, fat chick who was like screaming at you. See, I uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, <laughs> work with me. Here. I follow some porn stars on Twitter. Yes, uh, because I'm amused at the stupid shit of their musings. I think that it's it entertains me how dumb they are. And so you will go and you go and troll them. Mm-hmm. But you know, do you do you troll them at a sort of meta level, which is like you're a porn star, you don't sort of deserve to make smart comments, or do you troll them at the level of like your ass is fat, or you got flab on your ankle, you got flab on your knees, or something like that? Well, I think one of them wrote something like, "Oh man, I'm having such a tough day," and I wrote, uh, "Well, you get fucked on camera, so it's probably turning you crazy," <laughs> shit like that. It, it's think, totally pointless. It's yeah, kind so of mean. Just, it's kind of mean spirited. Well, frankly. no, I'm talking to a Twitter troll. This is like this is like a, an interview we we couldn't book. This is <laughs> this is fantastic. Would you go to like Ariel Winter's site and like comment about how she's like and slut shame her body body shame her because she, like her ass is falling out of her out of her short shorts? No, I would never take the initiative to do that. But yes. I remember um, uh, Selena Gomez. Yeah, she did this very similar thing where she was saying how everyone's calling her fat and fat shaming her and so then i went on her thing and wrote yeah you're fat which i don't even think she is but it's just like you know if you're gonna you're gonna ask for it basically what, what happened out of that matt what came out of that uh, nothing i'm a miserable <laughs> saying, person do you like sit there and write that and then go like yeah no is there like a high five virtual no, as i'm writing it i go what the fuck am i doing right do other <laughs> this sounds like this sounds like the worst pastime ever <laughs> Is. I don't understand. I mean, you and I pick on people all the time on this show and everywhere else. But, you know, but to actually go and here's the problem. If you're the only guy doing it, it'd be kind of funny. <laughs> but there's such low hanging fruit for dudes in their basement to do yeah. just to get attention that it, you're sort of putting yourself into a bad group. Yeah, I'm doing it kind of ironically, I think, but I'm still obviously going to be affiliated with the group of people that are doing it for real. Yeah, also, she gets about 60,000 responses to every everything she does. It's a conundrum of social media, which is that the, the people that are powerful that you might that might deserve to be taken out a little bit get so much traffic to their social media accounts 
that your comment is com- doesn't even register anywhere. It's completely insignificant. Right. So the only people you can really pick on and get any any uh, any response to are really small time people, and you feel kind of bad because <laughs> yeah, it's not you're fun. picking on some chick from Nebraska who wants to be a model, but she's not attractive, and she has like 185 followers. Well, it's like. So I follow Donald Trump on Twitter. By the way, I don't even like Twitter at all. No. It's stupid. Uh, I follow Trump, and Trump will write something ridiculous, and I'll write back, uh, fuck you, you know, yeah. uh, you fucking orange asshole. He's not going to see that, but it no. makes me feel better. I don't think he actually... Re- well, you know what? He's a weird fuck. He might read the tweets. That's the thing about the people. These people are nar- huge narcissists. Trump is, too. So they actually read the tweets... And someone will say, I think they, don't, they can't even see the mean ones because there's so many coming in. So I assume they have an assistant or just one of their closer friends sends them, like, sees the mean one and sends it to them. Right. But statistically speaking, it's probably less than one-tenth of one percent of their comments are negative. It's but like the mean a, ones are the most valuable for them because it gives them a chance to bitch and moan. Yes, exactly, which was always my point. But now my other, my other point is, what are those people? Now I'm talking to you so I can ask you, what the fuck are these people going to these Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts? Just to make negative comments about some chick that most guys are just masturbating to and, and going away. It's just when you see something, like I, I look at myself as stumbling. You're a, you're a social justice warrior across these things. It's not like <laughs> I go, you know, Twitter.com/slash President Trump or whatever. It's, yeah. it just kind of pops up, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck this. You know? So you're impul- you're impulsive. You're angry, mm-hmm. and you're not living in your parents' basement. That's that's really their thing. I just picture you high five. Would you high five someone after you do one of those one of those tweets? Good one, dude. No, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> yes, you should. You should. There's really there's really no absolutely no redeemable aspect to that practice whatsoever. No, there isn't. No. You'd be better off going to Washington climbing the fence. It would only be redeemable if actually, you know what? So Axel Rose, I have nothing against Axel Rose personally, but I do know that he's a legendary dickhead. Like yes. he's just an asshole. And so people were making these memes of him being fat. Yeah. And be like, take me down to the gravy city or some shit. And uh, it was pissing him off. It was like actually making him angry. And that made me kind of happy because I feel like he, he's fucked with people for a large portion of his life. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess collectively to make, make, you know, you can make Selena Gomez might see your tweet and feel really unhappy and start cutting herself that night. That's sort of your end goal. <laughs> I can kind of see I'm that. I'm just saying, if... if if I paid money for a Guns N' Roses concert and Axl Rose shows up two hours late, the drunk. Bro- broken leg, with a broken leg from being fat. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll get some satisfaction out of him crying. I saw him jogging once. He looked to be in good shape. Really? I think it was the days when he was beating his model wife, model wives and stuff like that. All right, Matt, we're going to have a new statement called so- Matt, Matt Ralston, Social Justice Warrior. So <laughs> will you tell us all the horrible things that are happening in social media you're blaming? I will. Matt, our statement this week for you... Uh, this is a new segment. Our last 75 segments haven't held really well. The testing's been very poor. Uh, this is about an article you wrote on mattrelson.net. I'm a big fan of that site. By the way, you have a pop-up. Do you know you have a pop-up ad on your site? Yeah. It's yeah. like a mailing list thing. <laughs> yeah, Should like, I get rid of that? Uh, I don't know, but I also, almost wanted to go on your Twitter account and troll you just for that. <laughs> I was going to write something <laughs> bad about you. I was just, it was kind of shocking. Every site has... Uh, these horrible ads, pop-up ads and pop-under ads, which are even worse, they play like play shit under your screen. You can't even see them anymore. Going like traversing the online landscape to actually read shit is almost impossible nowadays. Yeah, it's, and they, it's a puzzle you got to figure. Even out. with the ad blocker, they've worked their way around. Like reading an LA Times article is like seven or eight shit pops up, and you can't click them off like you used to, and then it pops up again or stays at the bottom. You're trying to read like an 800 word article, and it takes an hour and a half. Yeah. It's really annoying. It's actually quicker to go to the corner and get a newspaper. <laughs> I think we're going to go backwards. People start buying newspapers again. 
It's actually quicker to drive 15 minutes to get a paper and read and read it than just to go online. That's interesting. Uh, but uh, this, you explain, this is your statement where you explain why the ESPYs and other award shows are simply glitzed up rape jobs. <laughs> I like the word rape. That's one of my new, new favorite words. Uh, so what happened? Uh, you got upset about the ESPY awards and other awards. I think you're on to something here. Uh, yeah, so they found this um, soldier who'd been horribly maimed in a improvised explosive accident. And his face is, like, real fucked up. And his, you know, his arm, his whole body's all fucked up. And they gave him the Pat Tillman Award. So I'm not even sure why there's awards uh, for sports because we already have them. It's called like a championship. Yes. Or, a, you know, an MVP. Um, well, you understand the money they make off of it, right? Yeah. So they carefully found this guy with because face wounds are becoming really overrated. You know, like someone's face is fucked up. It's like you can't look away. Oprah used to pull that shit all the time and they ran out of shit. They'd find some lady whose face got torn off some by d- a baboon. D- yes. And oh, that poor lady who was giving a bath to the tag. Um, so anyway, he gets the Pat Tillman Award. Uh, this is a real hero, a, a guy, a real hero. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, a guy who was badly wounded in battle. He he went. Let's say more heroic than every single other person in the SB in the SB <laughs> audience. Yeah, I'll agree with that. He's the first uh, Air uh, Force serviceman to ever be like totally disabled and then reenlist. I can't remember the term, but wow. Okay. Um, so they give him the Pat Tillman Award, and he gives this speech about never giving up and. You know, sort of sticking to your guns. And uh, Pat Tillman, to me, is best known as the guy who the government used as a uh, piece of propaganda after he was killed by friendly fire. He was. And they claim that he died. In well, the- he was, oh, so he was an NFL player. He played for the Car- Cardinals. And he quit the NFL to enlist after 9-11. Yes. Uh, and then he was killed. And it was they, they, they made it a heroic death about him you know, for recruiting. But it turns out he was killed by friendly fire. Yeah. But so, how does that relate to the ESPYs? Why the fuck would that be at the ESPY Awards? Well, the only tenuous connection is that he played football, but it still doesn't really have anything to do with the ESPYs. No. And, uh, you know, so the government, the armed forces from the top down, including, you know, the, the federal government, perpetrated a conspiracy involving this guy uh, who was dead, and his family was like, what you're doing is really fucked up and wrong. And so now they give an award... To a guy uh, who's supposed to be like uh, honored uh, under like how Tillman is, but I, I would almost think that the conclusion I would draw is maybe uh, the armed services are engaging in such hypocrisy and and uh, well, they are. All, they are they also maybe shouldn't be celebrated as much as opposed are, to being celebrated for no reason. If I can double down on your conspiracy theories, there are also massive uh, advertisers on sports. Oh, programs yeah. embedded advertising <laughs> the that they forces. don't acknowledge <laughs> the armed forces so it's possible that they subsidized the pat tillman award to some large amount i'm sure they did and then also the other thing i think is that they need uh, just you know politically espn uh, you know they had the caitlin jenner award won the arthur Ashe courage award two years ago they're looking to be socially and politically correct despite the fact that espn denies the fact they become more political as a, as a media outlet in the last few years yeah which clearly has been the case although i don't think it's why their numbers are dropping it's just because become too, people are cutting the cord, the cable cord. Um, but isn't all, isn't this, as I read your article on MattRalston.net, isn't all award shows just a big fucking fluff job to promote shit that isn't the best or the finest of its endeavor, but merely just a massive publicity, corporate publicity stunt? Yeah. and uh, If I can sum up your 5,000-word article <laughs> with pop-up well, ads. Even, even you look at the... Uh 
Academy Awards, which people take real seriously. Extremely seriously. Uh, a lot of those movies aren't even good. No one sees them. And maybe no one sees them because they're not good. Like, Crash is a, a poor film. It's uh, it dealt with heavy-handed. The, uh, it dealt with the ra- issues of race, uh, broken and fractured racial uh, injustice in this country. Why isn't there... How about there's one Academy Award where you go, this movie made the most money. Yes. Therefore, it's the most successful movie of the year. Have you not seen the People's Choice Awards every year? (laughs) No, I haven't. Where all all the studios get together and give awards out to their biggest blockbuster films and bring Justin Bieber on to hand out stuff to Screaming Teen Girls? Yeah, I guess that's... But no one cares about that. I think part of the the stuff... I mean, I think it's... To me, the award shows are horrible because they merge two things, which is narcissism on on behalf of the celebrities, actors, or athletes... Their narcissism that they love this, the limelight and awards and being told how great they are. Mm-hmm. And then on the corporate side, this like shilling for publicity and like pretending that it's a, it's a higher art form or a higher calling or this deserves some sort of like, you know, there's no award for plumbers. There's no real award for doctors. There really isn't even an award for, for soldiers who get injured. Uh, but there's an award show for like guys who play basketball for fifty fifty million dollar contracts, and also actors who get paid twenty million dollars to film for six week you know, mummy movies. Yeah, it's insane. And I'm I'm the only fucking asshole when I'm watching a football game going. Sorry, why are they doing this military ceremony right now? It's really not connected to football at all. Oh, you're like Kaepernicking. Are you Kaepernicking? <laughs> Do you take a knee? <laughs> Do you take a knee while you're tweeting mean things to like teenage girls on Twitter? I don't <laughs> even really care. I just, I mean, it's weird. Why do you have to sing the national anthem before you play a basketball game? Uh, it is weird. It is very weird. And you said before, do we, we don't get where we are. We don't do that other. Well, I think I can understand why we did it in 1920. Yeah. I kind of get that part. I think part of it was after like there was war. There was a lot of wars going on, and I think you know the the, the sporting events were the only place where people gathered together in public in large events, and so they turned them into like this very. I mean, football itself was sort of started by the government. To, to stop the union. There's a whole story behind it. But these were largely subsidized by government projects. Uh-huh. And baseball, of course, has always had the exception, the antitrust exemption. It's been really coerced by government as well. So I think a lot of these sports programs were like put in place and subsidized by the government to like make a more peaceful, genteel weekend for people other than getting drunk and beating the crap out of each other. Right. It's kind of backfired. So I can understand why it made sense 100 years ago. But now there's so much social connection between people. There's too much fucking social connection between people. Now you can go on, t- on social media or on the internet and be with like eight million other people in a group anytime you want. So you don't need this like this is the one time a month we all see each other kind of crap. Just like a block party. Who still has block parties? That's what I want. That's what I want to know. Yeah, I'm not going to block. I'm not going to go to a block party anymore. I, I read about you at next door. I know what you're doing. And also, why do we need to call it the world champion? There's only like two countries that even play football. It should be the champion of the United States. We are the best country. Football. Yeah, well, the World Series, I will say, uh, everyone who plays baseball comes to the U.S. And That's also, true. Everyone who plays football kind of comes to the U.S. too. We still got the most money, Matt. Just, your whole thing is, sounds very communist to me. <laughs> if you guys are communists, go to mattrelson.net. Except for that capitalist pop-up ad you have to make <laughs> shamelessly, <laughs> cynically make money off your leftist leanings. I think that's, that's sort of a problem. Hey, uh, no one's above the law. Yes. Uh, Matt, let me ask you. I know uh, uh, you were sexually assaulted at University of Washington several times, and I think you paid for the privilege many times. Uh, I've been roofied twice, but luckily, never. Uh, no one ever got really got there. Really? Yeah. Did you catch? Did they catch the guy? No. I, you know, 
I don't know why. I was just glad to be alive. I never even complained. I, I, I assume had, it was a guy. I assume it was a guy. I can't imagine a woman would ever roofie a guy. No, woman would not roofie a guy. No, it was these gay guys. I was at this rap party for a show. I had one drink and and blacked out. And, yeah, uh, that makes no sense. Came to in a taxi. I've seen you drink. I would testify that you can't black out after one drink. <laughs> if you said thirty, maybe. Uh, so, but you think? Do you think someone accidentally roofied someone else's drink and you just grabbed it? Or do you think someone roofied you, and what were their intentions? Rape. Mm. Uh, I also got roofied one. I think a guy was trying to give ecstasy to a girl I was with, and so I found myself high on ecstasy. I'm very roofie sensitive for the ladies because I imagine, I mean, it hasn't happened to me before, but I imagine what happened to you and actually being raped by some dude after being roofied would be probably the most horrible experience of your life. And I can see how that would be like. I don't think you'd ever recover. Really. Uh, well, would you rather be raped while you're roofied or, or raped while you weren't roofied? Mm. I take roofie. Uh, it seems more of a violation, but it'd be hard to rape me if I was cognizant. Because well, I mean, there'd be a, it seems like it'd be a less physically brutal. You wouldn't have to be all this stuff, and the second that you would, wouldn't remember it very well. I just I'd take my chances fighting off whoever's trying to rape me. Assuming you were tied up like hog tied, so you couldn't move, wouldn't you rather be knocked out than uh, than conscious during your uh, your uh, sodomy? Yeah, although I, maybe I could convince him to stop. Be like, ow! You just want to talk to your rapist, don't you? <laughs> I want to be, I want to be passed out and not forget. It. It's like a surgery. I just want to give you as much narcotics as you possibly can. Well, I don't know if this is true, but my friend Ty Barnett, I want, I want to give credit to him doing a joke. Uh, he said, "If you're a chick and a guy's going to uh, rape you, just be like, oh, this is awesome, because the whole thrill of of rape is is that you're." Taking power from someone. Are those ties comedy stylings? I didn't do it much justice. <laughs> delving into how women should go along with rape. Uh, well, it is a power. It is a power move. I and wondered I, if it was true though. If you pretended you like it, it might ruin it. Uh, it's possible. It's worth a shot. I think you should give some learning annex classes on that to the ladies. <laughs> it's just to just go with it, Matt, Matt Ralston. Just go with it when you're being raped, kind of thing. Yeah. I have a feeling once those guys work themselves up, they're they're going to continue with what they're doing anyhow. And probably just beat the crap out if you if you ruin their little sex power fantasy, whatever it is. You're probably right. I need to change the subject because I just thought about you being raped. Oh, we're still talking about rape. So, uh, Mattress Girl. We've talked about Mattress Girl before. Emma Salkowitz. Mm-hmm. In 2012, she claimed she was a victim of date, ra- uh, date rape in Columbia. She was a sophomore at Columbia with another sophomore at Columbia. They had, he was in her dorm room for some consensual reasons. And then she claims that he raped her and sodomized her against her will while she tried to fight him off. Uh, which I guess goes on in dorm rooms. It's not like there never is rape or things like that. Uh, the university uh, investigated. They brought the New York police in to investigate. Everybody investigated. There was a huge, you know, a rape crime scene, all this stuff, and they all found there was no evidence of any rape occurring, and that he was completely exonerated. Yeah, and then she kept like contacting him, and it was pretty obvious she did it out of jealousy because he kind of broke things off with her. It was some. Um, she seemed crazy. Let's put it that way. Let's let's just call her uh, to be nice. Call her crazy bitch. Yeah, that crazy bitch from college. <laughs> so what she did after that, she claimed that she was railroaded. Her case was railroaded. The, the university wasn't taking her rape seriously in this rape culture, and the man was being let off. All of that stuff. So she actually, uh, I'll give her some credit for publicity purposes. She started carrying her the mattress upon which she was raped around campus with her everywhere she went. Uh, it was only a twin, so because uh, you know women can't carry full, full of queen size mattresses. And also, I actually went back and looked at. I studied this story. I, I, while you're on Twitter, like trolling like uh, teen pop stars, I, I go on uh, Getty Images and look at the old photos from the time of the actual story. 
She actually had help with her. She actually had help carrying the, the, the twin size mattress around campus. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, she couldn't carry it by herself. Oh, <laughs> so she was not exactly enslaved a rape victim with the, with the mattress on her back. She had three other people helping her when she carried it around campus. There was like what two other women and some beta male, and there were like all four of them helping to carry like I don't know what weighs what twenty five pounds, thirty pounds of mattress. Uh, yeah, probably about mattress, that. Probably about thirty pounds, and they all looked like it was really heavy too. It was really kind of sad. Uh, yes, I, I forgot that part that she actually she was mattress girl, but she needed assistance to be to be. And she got girl. school credit for carrying this mattress around. Yeah, well, so what happened was an art project. This guy Paul, you can say his name now because every single journalistic outlet when he was accused, you know, opened up his name. Paul Nungesser, who was just a dude who had sex one night with a crazy chick in college, which happens. And I think I'm I'm sure you know a story from college where that happened. Someone was falsely accused of rape because I know several. Uh, date rape kind of thing. Uh, in fact, I knew a guy who was accused of date rape by uh, a woman. It turned out she was a lesbian, and she was trying to get back at her lesbian girlfriend. Yeah. So she found, like, the dumbest, doltiest dude in the world who has never had sex before in his life to have sex with because she didn't really want to have sex with a guy, but she needed to to get, ang- to get her, <laughs> her lesbian girlfriend angry. And it was the whole thing. It took her, like, a year, but he was found completely exonerated that she did this out of, you know, anger to get back at her girlfriend. She like that. But the guy went through hell for, like, a year. Right. I mean, he was considered a rape. And this guy, honestly, I think it was the one time in his life he had sex. And it's just some lesbian that came on him and just mounted him. And he was just, like, didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> like, poor, poor fucker. This isn't, like, one of those OJ cases where you get what's coming to you eventually. This guy had nothing coming to him. He was just a fucking schlemiel. It was just like, the girl's like, if I got to have someone's dick in front of me, this guy looks like it'll take 30 seconds and it won't be that bad. <laughs> Poor fucker. That's sad. Uh, so Nungesser uh, was completely exonerated by the school, uh, by the police, investigated. No evidence found of any, any sexual assault or rape or non-consensual sex. But what happened was she started doing this mattress girl thing. It became a political cause, cause de celeb in New York City. Politicians, feminist groups, all the groups try to jump on the right side of the rape culture were like claiming that she was railroaded that this was this was, the university was doing stuff so the university like allowed her basically to carry on rape protests all the feminists on campus and other sympathetic people were posting photos of this guy of his face calling him rapist a professor taught a class where he basically convicted the guy of rape in class virtual rape after the after he was cleared uh Salkowitz made a video for an art art project she did where she Recreated the rape on video. A very you've seen the video, a very graphic video where she's having sex. Well, she's actually having sex on. Camera. She's actually being like rape porn. It was like rape porn. She was actually being sodomized by a guy on camera, and she set up to be her art project discussing her feelings about being raped. When again, the guy has been exonerated, and so he sued the school and said, "What the fuck, school?" Like, even if he did rape her, I would argue that's not really an art project. <laughs> no, well, he didn't go to the. It's an Ivy League art project, Matt. <laughs> and she, by the way, I, uh, since I did investigate, to this day, as of just a few months ago, she's still, this woman is still being invited to like art openings and installations in, the, in Manhattan among like the hoi polloi. She is still being like the to- she's still seen as like a legitimate like performance artist and like on the right side of the alt- art culture, whatever the fuck it is. Even though, again, she's a false rape accuser. These stories take a life of their own. Uh, so Nungasser was like, look, school, you found me innocent. You can't allow. 20% of the campus to call me a rapist and professors to call me a rapist and chant my name and all this other shit when I'm innocent. You have to, you have to defend me. And Columbia basically didn't. They defended, basically defended the rights of the woman who falsely accused him of rape over him. Yeah. And so he, sue, he sued and it took uh, uh, several years and just, uh, just this past week they settled for some, I would imagine, millions of dollars. 
because his name came up everywhere on Google searches and shit like that. He couldn't get jobs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fucking brutal. Uh, and again, this is not some like frat dude who might have been involved in all sorts of weird shit or, you know, basement fucking sex, R. Kelly sex call stuff. This is a dude who dated a chick who just turned out to be nuts in sophomore year and she claimed he raped her. Uh, here's my question, Matt. If Columbia had to do this all over again, would they, this is a loaded question, would they just do the exact same thing and defend the false, false rape accuser? Because for them, a few million bucks doesn't mean much compared to like being on the right side of the politics of this all. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's kind of an interesting case. I don't know it as well as you do, but... Uh, it's my major. It was, you know, you got to kind of give give the person the benefit of the doubt. But then, like, later on, a bunch of her, like, personal messages came out, which made a pretty strong indication that she was lying. So, Well, it, he was, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was, imagine, a, imagine an Ivy League university in New York and how much uh, the bias is against the male in this case. Yeah. I mean, you got Hillary Clinton out there saying, believe her, guilty till proven innocent. Rape cases have to be guilty till proven innocent. There's a lot of political pressure in a rape case where every blogger in town is writing about the rape culture to say a guy's guilty no matter what. And they actually exonerate him, which means that the evidence we're not seeing must be pretty overwhelming <laughs> of his innocence. Right. Because if it, was, if it was 50-50, that guy would be kicked out of school and or going to jail right now. Right. It clearly was the case where she, her text messages and other evidence came forward that showed that she was lying. But uh, once it's sort of shown that she's lying, isn't there some virtue in saying, yeah, we were wrong, you know? Yes. But why is Taylor Swift giving Kesha $250,000 to pursue her case against, against Dr. Luke? When she's already said under oath nothing happened, and she has said she called herself a liar about the rape cases. I mean, it's this is we've come to an era now, and I guess it's you know I, I hate to say like things have shifted so much, but I think things have always been human nature has always been the same. But we're in an era now when like it's more important to be on the politically correct side than on the factually correct side. Yeah, that's interesting, and and that goes on the right wing too, by the way, with all the fucking you know uh, creationists and all that other shit too. Like, you know, if you're in your church or you're a Republican leader, you have to be on the right side of the politics versus the right side of facts. Yeah, you have to say things that you know are bullshit. Yes. Or else risk, like, getting demoted. Yeah, like Columbia University is in New York. They're all, it's a liberal campus, all that stuff. They're in the heart of Manhattan. Not the heart of Manhattan, they're in Harlem. But, uh, <laughs> they're a shitty place. But, you know, they're all the administrators are part of the big set, the big liberal set in New York. And they can't come out and, and, and say, I defend this guy accused of rape. Even though they know he's innocent, they have to allow the, the woman who falsely accused him, who they know falsely accused him, to put up posters and carry mattresses around campus and continue to call this guy a rapist and say, sorry, buddy, that's just the politics. We've got to let it happen. And it's, and it's sad because, A, for the actual victims, but that someone would be so insidious as to do this, um, you know, that conniving uh, to, to falsely... You mean, ma- you mean Mattress Girl? Yeah. To did, you, did you not know this at college? Does this not happen at your college? Because it happened pretty regularly at my, my campus. Uh, there's a guy in my town growing up that everyone, men and women, the entire town knew that the chick was lying and the dude just went to prison. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, by the way, there, are, there also were real rapes on campus. There were real actual rapes. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, yeah. But let's say 70-30, I mean, 80-20, 60-40. I don't know what it is, to the, the real versus the, the, uh, the fake. But whatever it is, there used to be this thing like where we don't like, you know, the whole, our whole justice system is based on innocent until proven guilty. We'd rather let 10 guilty people go or 100 guilty people go rather than, you know, imprison one innocent person. 
that used to be the whole burden of you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, burden of proof. Yeah. Because we really, really didn't want to like falsely accuse innocent people. That was seen as the worst thing possible. And now it's just completely back. Now it's just completely backwards. Well, I was doing uh, a, a writing job for the LA Weekly, and uh, I had this very short, innocuous conversation with this woman who was a writer for a different publication. I know this ends with you and fighting with somebody. Covering the same event. Yes. And I thought nothing of it at all. And then, uh, you know, she called the place I was working for and insinuated that I was, like, making threatening remarks, mm-hmm. which is completely false. And they're like, fuck it. You know, it's not worth it just in case. And so, you know, it holds a lot of power um, for people if they if they want to fuck with other people. You know, it's pretty easy to do. It reminds me of this. Uh, do you ever see the show 30 Rock? Yeah. I love 30, I love 30 Rock. It's, it's just funny. Uh, but when Tra- Tracy Morgan's character pulled out for one episode, he just pulled out a race card, an actual card that said race card on it. Every time he wanted to get out of something, he would hand, he would hand people a written card that said race card. And they're like, don't accept it. Don't accept it. And someone would grab it and go, oh, no. And he's like, race card. That's like, funny. I mean, that's literally where we've come now. But it's like, I think it's something you and I both agree on, that, that uh, wealthy, wealthier, upscale, college-educated white women aren't necessarily in the same victim victim group as like minority minorities and, and and other disenfranchised people. So like there actually is the race car we make fun of, but there actually is a lot of racial injustice. Yeah. Whereas like Ivy League white women nece- aren't necessarily in that group of the dramatically subjugated disenfranchised the most people. privileged people in all of society, perhaps the entire world. Yeah, and actually the largest political demographic in the country as well. Uh, going to be the, the wealthiest at some point, <laughs> the wealthiest at some point, and the most professional and most educated. So you know, the one area you might say they're, they're victims is physically by guys who actually physically assault them and rape. But now they've just extended that ver- that rape culture to like men look construction workers ogling you or or shouting you know a nice ass to you is now rape too. Right. Because the actual what happened, I don't know if you know the backstory of this, but uh, I also study rape culture statistics. Okay. Uh, so the rape, the rape, sexual assault numbers in the U.S. have been dropping dramatically for the last 20 years. Uh, it's because of harsher sentencing, also just more awareness about the fact and changing demographics, a bunch of stuff. But they've actually been falling rather dramatically in the last 20 years. And I think, honestly, I think that threatened the message of a lot of these feminist groups about rape. Mm-hmm. Because rape was actually the fastest dropping crime in the country. Uh, and almost all of it became date rape. There was almost very little stranger rape going on anymore. Mm-hmm. So a massive percentage of the stuff was date rape. So they had to redefine what rape was, was to be this much more esoteric sort of broad definition of rape. Right. So that the numbers could still remain as high and the rape, the rape culture could still live on, even though what it was was, did she give, like Amy Schumer saying, oh, I had sex with this guy in high school, but at the very end I didn't give consent and I never, he never asked me permission and therefore I remember I was raped. Yeah, it could it could just be if you regretted it. I think that's technically what they would consider. Right, and that's how that that's how uh, Obama. I, mean, I say Obama, but he was giving back to the feminists who donate to his campaign or whatever it was, and they invented the they urged colleges to up their rape numbers. They actually had low rape numbers, so they had to come up with like, higher rape numbers to support this. You know, this back into this argument, and so they started calling things that weren't what you and I would call rape rape. So the numbers went. And that's when they. A release a statement saying 25% of women in college campuses would face sexual assault during their time at school. Right. And we all knew that was like a ridiculous number that couldn't possibly be true. Why would you even go to college if that <laughs> yes. was true? Yeah. Oh, my daughter's going to college. Oh, great. She's going to be raped. Good. Great job, Dad. Yeah. Oh, you're paying $200,000 and there's a 25% chance she's going to be raped next year. It made no sense, but under the definition of like 
he stared at me with his male gaze. Yeah, it probably is twenty. It probably is twenty five percent. There was a oh shit. There was one uh, chick who went to the University of Connecticut who uh, claimed that the mascot, the husky, had a rapey look, <laughs> yes. and she tried to get him to. And even like the super hardcore people were like, "You're a fucking moron." Now I, that's the thing. It's a broader definition. Anyhow, Columbia University paid this guy millions of dollars. I don't think they give a shit. They would pay millions of dollars to be on the right side of politics again. And this whole thing disturbs me, and our culture is going down a shit shit drain. Matt, let me ask you. I want to hit our last segment, Panties in a Bunch, today. What has my panties in a bunch? We were off last week, by the way. So I, I, I uh, just wore male, male, male underpants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still being haunted. Did you see this video of the TSA agent uh, uh, doing the pat-down on the boy at the airport? No, it's but a viral I, video going around. When I see the, it, shit like that, it really irritates me. He actually was, I mean, it looks like a pedophile touching a boy in a, a closet where nobody else is looking. He actually padded this kid down, down to the genitals, over his pants, but down to the genitals between his legs, like squeezing his scrotum. He was like a young child. He was like 13, 12, 13 year old boy. Yeah. And he actually padded him down. Like, and this is like, you know, right there, like actually like squeezed him between the legs and the, squeezed the buttocks and stuff like that. And I was just like, I'm, I'm haunted. By, I'm haunted by that. Yeah. It's, it's gross. And the worst part of the story, well, that was, watching it was the worst part of the story. The second worst part of the story was a kid is a special needs kid. So the reason they didn't put him through like the traditional like whatever machine where you hold your arms up and it swings around you is because that freaks him out. Mm-hmm. So they pulled him aside, said, "Oh no worries, we have a special, we have something for those kids here. Uncle Uncle Steve is going to take care of him over here for the next twenty minutes." I mean, it was like if it, it was a video of a coach doing this to a student at a school and it was captured on camera, the coach would be going to jail for thirty years, right? No doubt about it. It was just a, a, a sexual. It was a sexual. Assault. So you think the the officer was getting sexual gratification out of it. I would like to see the manual where it says squeeze the scrotum of the 12-year-old boy. (laughs) Yeah, why would you need to do that? I I mean, maybe if there's like, you know, if there's a guy who convicted of previous terrorist attacks, you might want to go down to the scrotum level. Right. But what's the kid, what could the kid possibly be carrying in his underpants? It'd be so fucking dangerous that you have to like move his testicles around to see what he's hiding. When's the last time a 12-year-old kid even like carried out a terrorist attack? Uh, if I was doing the, let's say, the, the Amon Jordan to Riyadh route, I might want the 12-year-old boy with a beard. <laughs> like, just check, you can check his genitals. But at Dallas-Fort Worth, it seemed like it was a bit, it was a bit excessive. Yeah. Uh, what has my pennies on a bunch this week, Matt? Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. So Caitlyn Jenner says she's back. I think Caitlyn Jenner, uh, you know Bruce Jenner is like the ultimate narcissist, right? So all Bruce Jenner wants is that I think you and I agree that the reason he chopped off his dick and got tits was for more attention. That was the main... That was number one on his li- list of pros. Right. Like, he made a list of pros and cons. Like, cons, I lose my dick. I got to take hormones. I'm going to start, like, you know, bleeding in weird places. I'm going to feel, like, w- weird stuff. I'm 65. I'm getting breasts. There are a lot of cons to this. But the pro side, I think, was overwhelmingly, I'm going to get so much fucking attention out of this. He did get a lot of attention. No, he did. It worked. And I think number, like, 97 on the list after 96, I'm going to get attention. was like, I'm going to help the tranny community. Right. That was really. He always he always mentions that without pointing to anything specifically. Like he's tra- he now insists on being called tra- tran- transsexual activist. Yeah, he hasn't done shit for anyone. No, I mean he mentioned in mag- when he's covered in Vogue magazine, he'll mention like I'm really trying to help teens, and he'll mention a hotline number. That's about the extent to it. He's not down in boys. T- he's not down in boys town with the Runaways. 
like helping feed them and counsel them. That's just not, that's just not happening. He's not in the gritty areas where the where the tranny kids are actually in trouble. No, I don't. By the way, I'm pretty sure he's he's a moron. So I'm not yes. sure what he could actually do if he wanted to do anything. Well, I'll tell you what he wants to. He wants to become our next senator for the state of California. So, so he doesn't understand how that works. Well, I, here's what I think is happening. So I think he got all the, the he got all the attention from becoming a woman. He got a, I mean, he was the f- most famous person in the world for like a year. Got all the magazine covers, the ESPY awards. He got his own show where he made five million dollars or ten million dollars off of the E show, where he got drunk and drunk in a Winnebago with a bunch of lesbians and transsexuals and threw champagne glasses and made jokes about dicks. Uh, he got all that, and I think he was loving it because he was trying to compete with his ex wife. And then, the, then that kind of as I you and I talked about probably a year ago, once it's going to fade, it faded. And so I think now he's desperate for attention again. So what's he going to do? Well, there's nothing behind it. Like, there's, there's no. nothing interesting about her whatsoever. So. No. There was nowhere to go. After, like, the dick got cut off, there was nowhere to go. Yeah. So it was like either date someone famous and talk about your sex life to be disgusting or announce you're running for state, you're running for U.S. Senate. By the way, he wants to be a Republican who cares about gay and tranny people. How's, how's that? How's that? Where's that voting? Where's that voting block going in California or anywhere? Do the Republicans really even want this person involved? Well, he was like, did he? He didn't go to the. Was he at the convention last year? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think, but he, I think he meant. I mean, he, he he's very reluctant. Here's the thing: he's very reluctant about. He's always he's been a lifelong Republican. He was like a Reagan guy. He's been a Republican for fifty years or what? Forty years. He's been. This is not like a, a newcomer thing. Mm-hmm. He's always been a Republican. Uh, yeah, he was a big Reagan guy in California back in the day. But when you're a gay dude, and it was specifically a gay dude who's cut off your veil genitalia, it gets harder and harder to be a conservative, a political conservative in this country, and with a straight face, because you just know the people in your own party don't want you. It just, they just don't. It just simply don't want you. It's well, like, not to mention, you know, the Republican Party has been uh, running on sort of anti-gay sentiment yes. for the past twenty years. Yeah, and not even. I don't think necessarily for political advantage. I think it's just who those people are. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's just like, it'd be like, I don't know what would be like Dick Cheney saying he's a Democrat and like wanting to be accepted, but not changing his principles. It doesn't make any, it wouldn't make any, it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, but here's what also happened. So, uh, so I, I just starting to dislike Jenner more and more for wanting attention. So, uh, Caitlyn Jenner went on Jimmy Kimmel's show. I don't know if you saw this and called Jimmy Kimmel out for making jokes about him when he was transitioning to her. Mm. And what it, this is, I don't care about that. That seems idiotic for me for Jenner not to be able to take a joke about the whole thing and pretending it's all serious now. <laughs> but here's what bothered me. Kimmel kind of mumbled an apology. Oh, I'm really sorry. I just didn't know what was going on at the time. Oh, that's right. And I fucking hate that. That's what has my pennies on a bunch this week. If you're going to rip, I mean, you're, you're owning, to your own credit or discredit, you're owning your own Twitter trolling. <laughs> if you're going to make a joke about Bruce Jenner turning to Caitlyn Jenner getting tits and, and being hotter than his daughter, daughter-in-laws or whatever else, you can make Jimmy Kimmel jokes. You got to stand by the fucking jokes. You got to stand. I mean, that's the one thing a comedian has, right, is the fact that at the time it was funny. Maybe I don't find it funny anymore. Maybe I do. But at the time, it was completely appropriate as a joke. Well, yeah, I think it got kind of too real, though, because it was like, is, is Bruce Jenner turning into a woman or not? That's kind of funny. But then I was like, oh, he is a woman now. Or at least, you know, that's sort of conventional. Well, there was a time when he just had long hair, was uh, developing breasts, had female features, and was killing women and old ladies on the the road. Yeah. And that was perfectly, I think, the right time to make jokes about him. I still think it was never the wrong time to make jokes about him because I think the transition woman was even more ridiculous. (laughs) 
But for him, like, now to ask for an apology, and for Kimmel not to say, like, look, dude, it was freaky funny what you're doing. And, uh, you know, that's just, how, that's just how it works. You're a famous person demanding attention, and you're in the public spotlight, and you're becoming, and you're an ex-decathlete who's becoming a woman at 65. We get to make fun of you, dude. Why didn't he say that? Yeah. Uh, well, and acknowledge that it's not really normal and yes. therefore worthy of comment. Yeah. How can Caitlyn Jenner not laugh about it? Like, not, like, how can you not? Like, I can say, like, it wasn't like he said, die, trainee, die. All trainees deserve to die or some shit like that. He made jokes like everyone else about the fact that she was still wearing man's clothing and had breasts pointing out. <laughs> it was very obvious. And wore that horrible, if you remember that horrible man ponytail she had for a while. Yeah. It was just like that transition, that transition process is never going to be pretty. I mean, she still has the giant hands and the male face now. By the time when you're still dressing like a man and you're starting to that transition phase, it's pretty bad. And you're on TV, by the way, and in the news all the time. So. But the sort of activist types would say, you know, you should not um, make fun of people because you could discourage you know, this whole suicide epidemic thing. Of, uh, but, he did, I mean? but he did make jokes about it, and they were funny jokes. <laughs> one thing you, I mean, honestly, I think the one thing you have as a comedian is to stand by what you say, what you say on stage. Yeah, because you're right. His jokes were not like anything below the mean. belt. No, it wasn't. It wasn't coming from a place of hate. It was just coming from a place of fu- this is fucking funny and it's a weird shit going on. We all noticing it. Yeah, uh, that killed me. Uh, I don't like. I don't like pansy comedians. It's the one thing I can't tolerate. <laughs> I mean, even your buddy was making the jokes about how women should go along with the rape. <laughs> don't, don't, and that one seems a little beyond the pale. Don't make. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. Don't apologize for that. He's gonna be so happy you mentioned that. You should never apologize. <laughs> Uh, unless you actually do something wrong, but you, you know, people want you to apologize because it's a way of controlling what you say. And yes, and demanding apology, by the way, on air, on ABC. I mean, you're kind of in a bad, you're in a very bad situation. Yeah. But that's where I just hate sell. I just where I hate. I mean, I, everyone sells out a little bit. Some people sell out a lot. Everybody on TV has sold out to some extent. But to be a, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, I see as a comedian first, and to be a comedian, and sell out on the authenticity of your jokes and apologize to a person because they. The, one, the person felt offended by your joke. That's the one sin, I think, of comedians, is to make that, apo- is to make that apology when, you, when you're put to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he thought about what he wanted to say. He, someone wrote it or he wrote it, yeah. and he had it on his desk, and he did it. Got applause, laughed. Everyone thought it was funny. So if you don't, you know, you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Matt, you have somebody wishing to print and promote. How about that pop-up on mattrowson.net? How much are you getting off that? <laughs> how, much, dude, how, much was my, how, much my, how much did you get from my article read? High hundreds of dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, mattrowson.net, Twitter, at Matthew Ralston, Facebook. I don't have Instagram. Yes, Brian? We got a show coming up? August 7th at Bar One is the Starving Artist Variety Show. Uh, you guys did a great job there, by the way, at this last one. Yeah, uh, did a- I feel like I was set up to be uh, to go. Success? Be- no, not set up for success. I feel like I was put uh, uh, wedged in between, like a, a girl did a routine and then uh, Matt. So he, Matt would seem awesome. Like I was like the I was like the bad ringer, the bad act before the Rolling Stones come out. I thought you did good. I thought you were hilarious. I was impressed. Also, there was a lesbian staring at me for the show. It was maybe very intimidating when I was doing <laughs> the lesbian. I don't stuff. know what to make of that. Usually, one time I sang a song at a jazz open mic out in Fullerton with some of my friends from uh, the Starbucks I was working at at the time, and one of them was. They were all girls, and so I stood up from the table. And the host said, "Oh, I'm going to sit at this table where all the ladies are." get back and they're all impressed and the lesbian girl said wow that almost made me want to be straight 
It was a that's a good one. Certainly a unique compliment. I didn't know what more to make of it. Lesbians have a gangster. It's like a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't know if they're like really upset or just like not really upset. It's very I find it very intimidating. Like you don't know if they're gonna like laugh after like a long pause or if they're gonna like throw shit at you <laughs> and, and, claim, and call like some lesbian hotline to get you protested with candles, a candlelight vigil around your house later that evening. I had a lesbian tell me that if she had a kid, she would want her kid to be just like me. Oh. And I never understood if you that mean, was you mean gender neutral. You a mean compliment? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Brian, what are you selling? You got the show? Yeah, that, that's August pretty 7th? much it. Yeah, that's it. What about August your uh, big baseball broadcast? Oh yeah, the Ventura County Pirates. Um, and for the last few games of the season, I'm trying to uh, act like I know what I'm doing on the play-by-play side of things. But uh, maybe that'll continue through the playoffs for Sunset League Baseball. But uh, I'll be back behind the mic at Blair Field for the championship down in Long Beach. Nice promotion. Uh, everybody comes Saturdays out. Everybody comes out. Brian's buying free food. There you go. Uh, I would like to promote Man Rule still for sale on Amazon.com. And also, uh, I'll be on the Blaze Radio. If you like Christian conservative radio, get out there Friday at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'll be, I'll be there doing the entertainment reports. I was Lex. Last Minute Earth. Talk to you later.